Welcome to the Sovereignty Sessions, where we explore topics such as personal authority, autonomy, and spirituality. I am your host, Cameron, the Redbird Who Sings. I am a farmer, medicine maker, and advocate for personal power. To follow my work, purchase my herbal preparations, or work one-on-one with me, visit redbirdmedicinals.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Sovereignty Sessions. Today we're going to be talking about health care. So I woke up this morning. It's still early in the morning. I'm kind of talking quiet because my daughter's asleep right next door. But I woke up this morning super inspired to talk about health and healing and what I have come to know is the true path of healing for everyone And this is not based on my opinion. It's based on, um, I guess we could call them spiritual laws, cosmic laws, natural laws, however you want to call it. And also, I've experienced this personally in my own life, and I know several people who have experienced healing in this way. So, the first thing I want to say is that all disease, 100% of all disease, dis-ease, is an emotional or spiritual and or spiritual problem. Now, this is a really hard pill for us to swallow. It was a really hard pill for me to swallow. Really? All of it? All of it? But as I've grown and moved down the path of life, I've really realized that, yes, all of it, 100%. Of all the dis-ease that we experience is emanating from a emotional or spiritual issue. And this doesn't mean that we can't start with the physical and start working on the physical and get to the spiritual or emotional issues. And in fact, this is how many people who take healing into their own hands um, do it. I mean, it's, it's a pathway and it's a valuable pathway, but It's not the fastest pathway, and maybe that's okay. Maybe we're not meant to be on the fastest pathway. We do have this whole life to work out all the kinks um, along the way. But we can get there, but it will never be complete and total healing unless we get to the root, and the root is that it's an emotional and a spiritual issue that is causing the physical symptoms of dis-ease. And so the quicker way to do things is to get right to the emotional and spiritual aspect of all disease. And I can admit that this is challenging, so this may not be a beginner's journey. And maybe we have to start with the physical. Um, I don't think everybody does, but maybe many of us, that's the way that we have to start. It certainly was my story. And that's it's, you know, like I said before, it's perfectly valid and we can learn a lot along the way. And I feel that most people who I interact with who are serious about healing and really do want to get better, whether they suffer from cancer or diabetes or whatever it may be, um, the people who actually do make headway and do get better are the people who integrate the spiritual and emotional with the physical healing 
or the people who get to the spiritual, emotional aspect on their path um, backwards through the healing. So we can look at, at healing. There's two pathways. So one is from outside in, and the other would be from inside out. And the inside out work would be the emotional and spiritual work. And then the outside in would be through the physical. But either way, whether you start from the inside out or the outside in, you have to do both. You have to get to the emotional and spiritual problem. And the reality reality is that we are in physical bodies, and so that is an aspect as well that has to be dealt with, but it is the surface aspect. So this is where most people get stuck, is in the physical. So they want to go to the doctor and get a magic pill that's going to fix everything and they don't have to do any work all they have to do is take this pill well 100% of the time it never works and there are studies that show that um, the how strong the placebo effect is and that in in most of the cases where pharmaceuticals especially when we're talking about pharmaceuticals um, that work with mental health issues the majority of the time that those work they work short term because of the placebo effect so the first three months people see drastic improvements maybe or just subtle improvements but they see improvements in their mental state and then after three months that diminishes well why is that that's because it was the placebo effect and so there are all these studies being done now on the placebo effect and how strong it actually is and how we know with the biology of belief and the work of Bruce, Bruce Lipton and and all of these scientists in the field of epigenetics that the mind is really important and what we think about we bring about so for me I question whether or not pharmaceuticals work at all or whether it's all just belief and that includes things like vaccines and that includes all kinds of pharmaceutical medications I don't know if any of them actually work and I definitely don't believe that any of them do any good and I just, I mean, I haven't seen that, and that may not be your story. Maybe you've seen some relief, but I would ask you, what are the, what it what was the trade-off? At what cost did you see relief? Like, what are the side effects? How many other medications do you have to take to deal with the side effects? These are all questions that we have to ask when we're thinking about pharmaceuticals and whether or not they're a, a valid way, a valid way on the on the path towards healing. I personally don't believe that they are. And um, I, I see, in my experience, what I see is that they cause a degradation of health 100% of the time. And um, that's just not what I'm about. So I'm about health care and taking care of myself. And, you know, it, it, I, it's really important that I say that health is cumulative. So health is cumulative. That means that your health at the age of 60 is based on what you did at the age of 30, at the age of 20, at the age of 10, you know, in the beginning of your life, how you were nourished, fed, taken care of. And it's hard for people, this is how also the pharmaceutical and vaccine industry, how they can get away with so much because it's cumulative. So you can't, maybe you don't, you take a pill or a vaccine and you can't see a negative result right away. In, especially if you're a person who's in relatively good health. It might not show up for 10, 20 years later, and there are studies on this as well, that a lot of the side effects from vaccines, it could take up to 20 years to see 
the effects of. So health is cumulative, and that's a really important thing to remember. I think it's one of the most important things to remember when when we're dealing with, say, a, a pregnant and postpartum mother. The reason that that time after we give birth, the 40 days-ish, six weeks time period that every traditional culture has respect for and recognizes is because that 40 days, as they say in Ayurveda, 40 days for 40 years. So that 40 days that you take after you have a child where you're extremely depleted because you've just created life, where most people, most women in Western culture, especially here in the United States, and I was one of these women with my daughter, so I'm guilty of this, where we are just so excited to like get back to life and go, 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 really the best thing for us to do is to take those 40 days and rest and rebuild and, you know, have a special diet that's a rebuilding diet because if we don't recognize those 40 days, it will have impacts on our health when we enter menopause. So if you look at women who have really challenging menopause, um, a lot of hot flashes or a lot of hormonal imbalance, it can be directly linked back to how they spent their time in the 40 days after they had their children. So, and you know, there's an old, an old um, midwife saying that says, a tooth for every baby, you lose a tooth for every baby. Well, that may be what, common, but that's not normal, and that's not the truth of our human body. We were not created to degrade as we created children. I mean, that's just not, that's not how it works. And yes, we do deplete when we're pregnant. And then when, especially in the postpartum time, we are extremely depleted, but it is our responsibility to replenish, to rebuild. And it's a lot easier said than done in a modern world. I completely understand that. Um, but we, this is one area where women really have to um, create the structure to support us in this time because it does have implications for our entire life. So 40 days for 40 years. So I can look at I can look at um, elder women around me and see their health and see their their cognitive function declining and see their physical abilities declining and you know, relatively young elder women in their 60s, you know. And then I can see elder women from traditional cultures around the world who are in their 90s. I'm thinking, not even just women, but men too. I'm thinking about this man I met when I was in Ecuador who was working on a friend's farm. He was clearing the side of a mountain of debris with a machete all day long, every day, because they were going to plant cacao, a cacao plantation. And this man, I could tell he looked like maybe he was in his 50s, but he was like working hard with this machete all day. And I was talking to him and he said he was 96 years old. And I was like, no way, there's just no way. He was 96 years old and he was out there on the side of a mountain working like a young man with this machete hacking down all of these trees and weeds and or you know whatever kind of plants were there I mean it was like palms and thick plants it wasn't like grasses even it was really it was you know big plants that he was chopping down and 
96 years old and I thought, wow, I don't know any 96 year old that could do that. So the reason he was able to do that is because health is cumulative because his health, he'd lived in rural Ecuador his whole life. He had lived basically on food that they had grown in their little town. They had, there was a very small village there that we were in and all of the people worked together and they lived on the food that they all grew together and they traded and shared and there was not really a monetary exchange system that was, the economy wasn't really mo money necessarily. It was a lot more of bartering and exchange. So I know that it's possible to be 96 years old and still be swinging a machete in the jungles of Ecuador. And I also don't think that that's going to be me. <laughs> and, you know, there have been so many ways that I haven't taken care of my own health. And um, I, I really started taking care of my health when I was in my early 20s, 19, I think, or so. And, um, but as a kid, I always knew that my body could heal itself. I never would take pharmaceuticals unless it was against my will. And I, I did have to take some, but I never felt good about it. I wouldn't even take aspirins for headaches or anything like that because I just knew that my body was going to heal itself. And, and that's something that was innate in me, something I was born with. It's not something that, you know, the rest of my family believes and so I can't say where that comes from other than from spirit. So um, in my life, because I've had this mentality that my body will heal itself, I've experienced several spontaneous healing events. And I know other people who have experienced spontaneous healing events. And the only way, I mean, these spontaneous healings don't happen. They have never happened for me or anybody that I've seen because we were working on the physical. They happened because we were working on our, our emotional and spiritual game. And one story I'll share about my own life is that I, after I had my daughter, I had a lot of physical issues. You know, my joints were very swollen and my I couldn't really walk on my feet. It felt like I was walking on razor blades. I couldn't squat down because my knees were just so inflamed. And I just didn't know what was going on. My mind was inflamed. I just had so much inflammation in my body. Now I know that it probably had a lot to do with my diet postpartum. I had a very high sugar diet. I wasn't being nourished properly. And, um, you know, it was like a grab and go thing. And so I just had the complete wrong diet. But also, um, I, I don't know this for sure, but I... I feel fairly certain in saying through my research and through working with other healers that I possibly had a long-term Lyme infection. So a lot of people with Lyme will say that after about the 10-year mark is when the Lyme starts to move into the joints and the tissues of the body. And so you start to see a lot of inflammation around those areas. And so it was suggested to me by another healer that this might be my issue. So... I did the Buner protocol, Stephen Hare Buner's protocol for Lyme with herbs, and I, I got some relief with that, and enough relief where I could function better. It, it helped my inflammation, and I think even if I didn't have Lyme, that the that, that protocol was very anti-inflammatory, and so it was very helpful for just dealing with the inflammation aspect. And so I dealt with that, and I, and I got to a pretty good place where it was pretty much 
under control just by doing the physical stuff. But then my daughter and I went camping and we got covered in seed ticks, you know, these little bitty tiny pinhead sized ticks. And we were in the shower at the campground and I'm seeing all these ticks covering all over us. And so I'm freaking out because I have just gotten over this at the time what I thought and still still think was probably a Lyme infection. And so I was just thinking, oh my God, I'm not getting sick again. So we scrub all these ticks off of us. And the next day we start to head home and we're, um, we were on our way across country and so we we're about halfway home. So we had a long way to go to get home. And on the way home, we were about, I don't know, probably four or five hours away from home. And I just got so sick with like this flu-like thing, you know, which people will say with Lyme that it can just hit you like the flu. And so I didn't know what it was and I just kind of thought, well, this is a, a, a reinfection. I've gotten a Lyme reinfection. So I just was like, I'm just going to treat it like that. So we, I couldn't go any farther. I couldn't drive. I was so sick. So I stopped at the only hotel I could find, which was this really disgusting hotel. It was really awful. I wouldn't let my daughter walk around anywhere. I just made her get on the bed and I wouldn't let her get on the floor because it was so gross. And she was probably, I don't know, maybe two years old, you know, if that, a year and a half. She was pretty young. And I was so sick throwing up and with this headache and I just, I couldn't even see. I was like delusional and it was just a really bad thing. So we get into this room and she's never watched TV before, you know, so I turned the TV on, I put it on some, there was some kids movie on, I put it on, I got all of our food from our bags and I just like dumped it out on the bed and I just told her, you're going to have to take care of yourself because mama is really sick and I can't take care of you. And I just laid down on the bed and covered my head with the pillow and as I'm laying there, for hours and hours and hours through the night, totally sick. At some point, I realized like this is just not gonna work. I'm not gonna live this life. And I started thinking about Lyme and about going back to how I had been. And I had just gotten to the point where I was feeling better. And I thought, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going back. There is no going back. There's only going forward. And so my will just clicked on and was like, absolutely not, I will not do this. And so the rest of the night, through the night, was me in a state of, I don't know if you would, it wasn't sleep, but it was definitely delirium and just in another world underneath my pillow, having this interaction with spirits, with ancestors, and with these Lyme spirochetes in my body and being able to see them and tell them, you are not welcome here. You have to leave. I don't care where you go, but you need to get out of this body. You cannot live here. And just repeating things like this over and over through the night. And I could hear and feel my ancestors around me. I could hear and feel helping spirits around me talking, saying, you know, um, is she going to heal? How are we going to help her? You know, things like that. And so my will was set and I had all this support around me and I just was like, no, I'm not, I'm absolutely not going to do it. 
And through the night, that was my mentality. And I just kept getting stronger and stronger mentally that you cannot be here. You have to go now. You cannot be here. And so I just got more and more forceful, more and more strong about it. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I felt a lot better. And I still was very weak, and I knew that I couldn't drive the four or five hours home, and I did not want to stay in that hotel room another night. And so I called my partner, and him and his dad drove and picked us up and um, drove us back home. And on that drive home, by the time they had got there, so I called them probably at 6 in the morning as soon as the sun started cracking, and by the time they got there, four or five hours later... I was feeling a lot better and they were like, oh, you don't even seem very sick. I'm like, yeah, well, you weren't here last night, <laughs> you know, so I was already well enough that they realized like that I wasn't really that sick. And then on the drive home, I was able to eat and then, you know, started feeling better and better. And I've never had a recurrence of those symptoms again of that kind of inflammation and, and stuff like that. So that was one spontaneous healing that I had and that was without the use of I didn't have any kind of herbal support or anything there with me and so I wasn't I wasn't able to to use any of that but it was a really magical experience and it was one of the most powerful spontaneous healing experiences I've ever had. And I say spontaneous, but obviously it took work. It took a lot of will and a lot of work on the part of um, beings who were around helping me. And I'll just share another really quick story that's not my story, but is the story of, of one of my teachers, um, of her healing. And she had accumulated all of these lumps in her breast, all over her breasts. There were dozens and dozens of lumps all over her breast and chest. And she had, she was working with inmates in prison, hearing their stories and, um, really taking in those stories and not doing the work of letting go of those stories. So she was embodying those stories. So they developed into all these lumps all over her chest and because she, like me, believes in the healing power of the body, she went into the sweat lodge. She spent the whole night in the sweat lodge doing ceremony. So this involves a lot of prayer, smoke, fire, um, heat, and, um, and other things. And she went in there, and it was a really hard night. But she, when she came out the next morning, she had no lumps on her, anywhere on her breast. And I've heard this story over and over with with um, uh, English people. I don't know what we would call them, just like regular white people, I guess you could say. But I, I call them English because the Amish around here call us all English. But um, I've heard this story many times with, with uh, English people who decide that they want to heal. And then they go to these traditional Native American... Um, pathways of healing like the sweat lodge or like the medicine or going to a, a medicine person and they find instantaneous healing and so this is a story I've heard several times over and over in my life and it should be said too I feel like it needs to be said that 
sometimes healing doesn't look like you think it's going to heal or look like. Um, sometimes healing is death and that happens certainly for people that I, you know, know those people too who went to medicine people or went to healers to get healed from something and they ended up passing on from this life and that is a form of healing too because sometimes we get to a place where we are so far down the rabbit hole that there is no going back. Our bodies cannot go back. So we have to die and be reborn so that we can be reborn into a body that will function at the level, at the frequency that we're wanting to run at. Um, sometimes it is just in our path. We have accomplished what we were here to accomplish in this life and it is just, that's just where the road ends. And that is, I would say, a healing journey whenever you've gotten to the end of your road and have, a, have gone as far as you can go in this life. And so this life ends and you go and in my um, spiritual tradition, you go and spend some time hanging with God and then whenever you're ready, you come back into the next better body that can withstand the next life that you are to live. So it's easy to talk about healing and think think that it is just this perfect, beautiful, oh, everything returns back to normal or the way it was. Well, it will never be the way it is. You will never be the way you were before you were ill, but you'll find a new way of being. And so it's really important on the healing journey to let go of the way you were. So I, I hear this from a lot of a lot of elders who are on this on this kick of wanting to be in better health or, you know, somewhat on the healing journey, but I, I don't really think don't really know how committed they are, but I hear, hear this a lot where they say, I just want to be back the way I was. I just want to be able to run the way I used to run. I just want to be able to do this the way I used to do it. Well, the reality is, is you're in your 60s or 70s and you're not going to ever function the way that you did when you were, you know, in your 20s probably. And that's because health is cumulative. So everything you've done up till this point, up to the last 65, 75 years, everything you've done has built upon the thing before that you've done. And that's where you get the total health that you have right now. So if you're trying to get back there, that's a long road back and you're already 65, 75 years old. You know, let's say you live to be 100 or 120, you still have a long road to go to, in rebuilding. And not that it can't, not that it's impossible to rebuild, but you might not just have that much time because your human lifetime is just not going to be that long, period, because it was written in the records before you came here that this is what you have to accomplish. And maybe what you have to accomplish is getting to a place of, or getting further down the path of health sovereignty. And so maybe you, you think, I'm going to walk it back. I'm going to get back to where I was when I'm 25. And that's your motivation to do a lot of healing work with the time you have left. And then you get to a place that's pretty good. It's better than it was when you were 75 maybe. And you die and you're reborn. And you take with you that knowledge innately to the next life, to the next body. And so you're not starting out from ground zero 
you're starting out from where you left off. And, um, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda says this in his teachings that when you, whatever state you're in spiritually, emotionally, when you die, that's the state that you're going to come in to when you are reborn. So if you're on your deathbed and you're moaning and groaning and miserable, that's where you start out when you come back. And if you're on your deathbed and you've come to peace with what has happened with your life, with your death, with all of it, then when you come back in, you come back in with that frequency of peace. You take that frequency with you. So that's something really important to remember is that we get more than one lifetime. And for me, that's a helpful way to think. And, you know, I don't know. I don't remember my past lives. I don't know if we get many lifetimes, but thinking about it in that way is encouraging to me and it encourages me. You know, maybe some people it discourages them and it makes them think, well, I can just, you know, fuck off in this lifetime and do whatever I want and I'll, I'll get it the next time around. But for me, that's not what it does. For me, it makes me feel more empowered and makes me feel like, okay, so I don't have all this pressure to get it done in this lifetime so I can just really focus on the work and know that whatever I don't get to, I'm going to get to eventually. Like, that's the path. I have to get to it eventually in another lifetime. So, to me, I find that to be extremely empowering. So when it comes to healing on our own, to healing any any dis-ease, um, these emotional and spiritual diseases that manifest as the physical, is we have to ask first, what do we want? What do you want? What does it look like to be healthy? And I find that most people don't even know. I mean, most people, what the people that I'm thinking of would probably say, I just want to be able to garden. Okay, that's great. I just want to be able to, like I said before, I hear so many elder people saying, I just want to be able to run like I used to. I want to be able to work out. Like, I want to be able to be physically fit and all of these things. And those are all great things, but we have to stop focusing on the physical. So when you ask yourself, what do you want? You have to also ask, how do you want to be in the world? What do you want? How do you want to be? And what does that feel like, right? So when you're working in the garden, why do you want to work in the garden? Is it just because you want to be physically strong enough to work in the garden? Or is, is it because when you're working in the garden, you feel at peace? And that's what you want to feel. You want to feel <clears throat> centered and at peace and connected with nature is that really what you want to feel so get to the root of what do you of what you want and by what do you want I mean how do you want to feel how do you want to be in this lifetime so if you want to play with your grandkids okay is it that you want to crawl around on the floor with your grandkids that's okay my grandma is 75 years old and not in very good health and she still crawls around on the floor with her great great grandkids now and so is like what is it that what is it that you want to do? Why do you want to crawl around the floor? Is it because it brings you joy? Is it because you want to be down there being like a kid, like being childlike with those children and you want to be um, in that vibration? Great. Then that's what you got to go for. That's what you have to visualize whenever you're thinking about what you want. So you get a you get a picture of what you want and you visualize it in your mind every day, all day, as many times a day as you can, you visualize that 
what you're like so for me joy is a big thing like I want to cultivate more joy in my life and so whenever I'm visualizing myself and what I want it's visualizing me as a joyful person it's visualizing me as um, experiencing joy feeling joy smiling frolicking through the tall grasses you know all of these things that bring me joy um, that's what I'm visualizing but it's not really the things that I'm doing that are bringing me the joy necessarily in my visualization it's more just the feeling of the joy so I'm visualizing it and as I'm visualizing I'm feeling it in my heart I'm feeling my heart expand and I'm feeling this joy so this is one step to healing this is where you're going to start is what do you want how do you want to feel and what does that look like visualize it what does it feel like feel it and feel it and visualize it as often as you can and if you can't conjure up that feeling for me when I first got on this thing of I just want to be joyful feeling joy I had no idea what that meant you know like I had no idea what that felt like and so I had to start paying attention to the things that I would do in the physical world that would make me feel the feeling that I wanted to feel and when I got that feeling I would note it oh this is the feeling this is joy and I would note that feeling so that I could conjure it up later and it takes work and it might not just come easy and healing takes work and it might not come easy but this is where you got to start then the next thing I would suggest is noting where your will is so a lot of people say that they want to heal and it sounds great to want to heal but like all change people don't really want to change people don't really want to change and we're seeing this big time in the world around us right now that you know I can't tell you how many people I know I mean so many people basically every person I've ever been associated with in my life at this point friends family whatever whoever complained about the world structure or the world order how things were going and you know the decimation of the planet the decimation of people and anybody I know who ever complained about that stuff and wanted it to change now that we're at this point where it is changing where it can change they're just like holding on to the old ways like I, I can't do it I can't go there and they're it's like they're completely different people and so I, I'm sure that you've experienced that as well I've heard so many people experiencing that like all I thought I had solidarity with all these people and then all of a sudden I'm alone on an island and nobody gets it and it's bizarre it's a bizarre feeling and what that is is that's fear first of all and fear of change fear of the unknown and people don't really want to change and um, you know I mean if, if you're if you have a spiritual tradition or um, if you're a very spiritual person you'll start to notice as you go farther down the path and you get more into the esoterics of spirit whatever spiritual tradition you're part of that you maybe started out and there were a lot of people around that were like geeking out on it with you and having the conversations you know I know for me in the yogic tradition there's so many yoga teachers around me and people who are really studying and the farther that I've gotten down the road now it's just me <laughs> it's just me those people aren't around because what happens is the farther you get down the path the closer you get to the real the closer you get to the truth 
the more people drop out because the truth is hard to hear and realizing that the entire world is an illusion is really hard and realizing that nothing is as it seems and that you have to actually change yourself in order to change your reality um that's something that a lot of people can't can't cope with they just don't have the skills to cope with and that's okay and maybe not this lifetime but another lifetime they'll get to it and i mean they have to get to it it's it's law you have to get to it eventually so um knowing knowing where your will is at is really important so you have to know if you are saying you want healing and then doing things that are counter to healing so if you say here's a pretty physical and superficial example if you say i want to go i want to lose 20 pounds i want to improve my um lab results i want to you know really take this physical aspect of my health i want to i want to go to the gym i want to do all this stuff this year that's my goal okay you've said that and then the next thing you turn around and you go to mcdonald's or the next thing you turn around and you're like i'll start tomorrow but for now i'm gonna go watch this tv show <laughs> or you know any of those things that that we do all the time to sabotage ourselves if you're doing that then your will isn't there so your will isn't to change and so you have to really examine that and really see what is it that is in me that is sabotaging me and figure that out because once you if you don't figure that out figure out why you're sabotaging yourself and i can give you a hint it's probably your self-worth you probably don't feel worthy of being healthy you probably don't feel worthy of having the life of your dreams and uh, that's usually what it is for most people and um even if you don't think even if you don't think that's what it is it was a sneaky one for me i i'm a very confident person and i just do what i want and so to find out that i had self-worth issues was pretty shocking to me but um they're there for most of us especially most of us here in the united states so examine that examine why you don't feel worthy examine your will where where is your will directed where what are your actions are your actions matching your words are they matching your thoughts you know you have to look at all of this stuff and you have to work your will and the will is what's going to heal you. So when I was in that bed, when I was telling you my story and I was really sick, it was my will that said, no, this is not going to happen again. I am getting better. And it was completely my will that shifted everything. So align your will with God's will, with creator's will, and you're unstoppable. You just get, you have this power that you, that is unparalleled. So you have to, you have to look at your will. It's really important. The next thing, and this goes along with these other two things of what do you want and where are your will, the next thing is how is your disease serving you? So a lot of us have these physical manifestations because they serve us. And this isn't a blame thing or to feel bad about because you don't know what you don't know. And if you knew that it was serving you in some way, most likely you would change it. Some people, 
No. Some people just want, they know that it serves them and, and they work that and that's just their path. But most people, when they, when they figure out what it is, how their disease is serving them, then they say, oh, okay. And then they can get to the root and, um, and deal with the emotional and spiritual aspect of that and, and find real healing. So how is your disease serving you? So if you are, um, say you have chronic migraines and you also work at a job that you hate and you are a, let's say you're a single mother and you have kids to take care of and no time to do anything because you work all the time for a job that you hate. And, but you get these migraines and every time you get these migraines, the only thing you can do is go into your bedroom, turn off the lights and shut out the world and you just pass out. And when you have these migraines, your kids take care of you and they bring you food and they check in on you and maybe other people check in on you as well and take care of you and you get a break from it all. And so when you, when you're, when your subconscious realizes this after the first migraine, then it creates a pattern that when you get to a point where you are stressed or where you need a break or where you just need some attention, you need someone to take care of you, then your body, your spirit, your, your mind manifests a migraine because this is the only way you're going to get what you need. And so in that way, the migraine serves you to get the need, get your spiritual and emotional and physical needs met. And it can be hard to see this because we think, well, I just get these migraines because it's my blood sugar or my blood chemistry or the way I'm made or, you know, whatever. My cranium is out of balance, whatever it is. And maybe all that stuff is true. But the deeper truth is that the migraine is serving you. So find out why the disease is serving you. Find out how it's serving you. And you do that just by asking the question, how does this serve me in the moment? So if you are sick with the flu, how does this serve me right now? I can say for myself that many times in my life where I've been sick with like a cold or something where I just can't do anything but lay in bed, it came at a time where I really needed to just be in bed, <laughs> where I just needed to, to rest and to not be going, 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 going. This is why when we're stressed out, and we do this whole going, going thing where we're working too many hours, partying too much, spending too much time with friends, whatever it is. When we get to this point, that's why we usually end up getting sick because it's our body and our spirit, our emotions, our mind telling us breaks. You got to stop. You got to stop. You got to lay down and take a nap, you know. And so our job in when we're on this path to healing, our job to maintain homeostasis, to maintain harmony is to see that that's happening, that that's coming before it gets here. So see, well, man, I've really been burning the candle at both ends. I need to, I need to just take a night to myself and then take a hot bath, go to bed early, drink some broth, you know, nourish yourself. And this is how we get, get through without dis-ease. So how does this disease serve you? That's a really, really important question to ask. And if you think it doesn't serve you, I can 
assure you that you're wrong <laughs> and it does serve you in some way. Just think of all the benefits that you get. You know, you kind of have to flip it from, usually we see a disease as being negative, but you kind of have to flip flip your mind and say, how is it positive? How is it, what are the good things that happened to me because of, because of my disease, because, because I'm chronically ill, because I have arthritis, because, you know, all of these things, how are these things serving me? And, um, just see it as a positive. And then once, once you understand that, then you can make the decision. All right, can I get these things some other way? Do I have to have this physical ailment, this mental ailment, in order to get my needs met? Or is there a way that I can meet my own needs or get my own needs met? So if you have really bad PMS, for example, if you're a woman and you have really bad cramps and you're really irritable before your period, I can promise you that it's because you're not respecting your body and your space and what your body needs and your spirit needs at that time. So maybe start saying, I know a lot of women who are doing this, and I've been doing this for about 15 years now. I don't work the first two days of my bleeding. I just don't ever, never. I haven't done it since I was probably 24 years old. Even when I was employed by other people, I just set that intention that I'm not going to do it. And it works out that I don't ever do any work the first two days of my period. Beyond, you know, now I have a kid, so I do have to feed her and stuff like that. So I do the bare minimum. And usually what that means for me is I make a bunch of snacks when I know that my um, bleed is about to start so that she can have access to food on her own without me having to do a lot of work. So it's built into the structure of my life and I highly recommend that every woman do that and the Amish women that live live around us they don't work for their whole their whole week that they're bleeding or whatever the whole time they don't do any work and so um, that's a way that they honor their body and it's really really important for our for our women's bodies to heal and recuperate because basically every every time you bleed it's it's like a postpartum period so how I mentioned before the postpartum you need that 40 days for 40 years well every time you bleed you need to take that week in order to be able to function and if you don't you will see a, a depletion of your health over time especially when you get to menopause you're really gonna you're really gonna get the kick in the ass but um so you really have to see these things ahead of time and another thing for PMS like if you you know track your cycles and when you know your cycles you can say every month the week before I start bleeding I'm going to get a massage or I'm going to take a hot bath whatever it is or I'm going to go on a trip by myself to the woods whatever it is just do something for yourself so you don't have to manifest dis-ease in order to get the nourishment that you need and this is all of these ways, this is this is how you can manifest miracles. This is how miraculous or spontaneous healing happens. This is how real healing happens from the inside out. And I, I really feel that the way forward in as human beings, in, in for those of us who are doing healing work and for those of us who are doing, you know, our own healing, the way forward is that we have to start from the inside out. Like it's hard, it's really hard work, but we have to get to the root and we have to get to the root faster. And so as many things that we as healers can do to encourage our clients or our community to get to the root faster, I think the better. 
and starting with the physical is a good starting point, but it's a long and treacherous road. And if we can just get to the spiritual and emotional root of everything, it just happens so much faster and we need healing to happen faster because we honestly need everybody at, on their on their best game at this point. We just can't we cannot um, we can't really take the slow road anymore at this point in this life. Things are changing so fast in the external world and on some level we have to keep up and on another level we don't. We just have to go at our own pace, but for many of us, you know, we have to we have to get a lot of healing done because we've got a lot of work to do in this lifetime. And we can't do our work to the best of our ability unless we get to a really good place in our healing journey. So this is what I have for you today. And I hope that you are already on your healing journey. And if you're not, I hope that this, this transmission encourages you to begin today. And, um, you know, it's really about belief. You just have to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. And anytime doubt creeps in, you have to put it out, you know, like a fire, you have to put it out. And so I really want to encourage you, if you're thinking about starting down the path of healing, I imagine that if you're listening to this, you're probably on the path to healing, but I really want to encourage you to step up your game and to um, ask these difficult questions, you know, where's your will? What do you want? How do you want to feel? How does your disease serve you? And... Um, and you'll, when you start asking these questions, you'll start to make bigger changes. So with that said, I will leave you now, and I am wishing you all well. Mm -hmm.